Good morning again. Brilliant. Um, If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to a psalm? We'll see how prophetic you all are. Just turn to one, see if you get it right or not. There's only 150 to choose from. So I reckon out of the number here, someone should get the right one. Um, You you never know. Um, Now, if you could turn to um, Psalm 27, that would be absolutely brilliant. As Natalie said, um, we're starting a new preach series today, Psalms, uh, Lift Up Your Eyes. There are 150 Psalms in the Bible. If you're not certain where to find them, they're right in the middle section. So if you try and open it right in the middle, you're bound to uh, uh, end up in Psalms. Um, they They are prayers, they are poems, they are songs that were written hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And they express a massive, wide amount of emotion from love and adoration towards God to sadness at sin, um, the battle of fear and trust in God, walking with God even in darkness, repentance, exalting God's power and might. There is just such a massive great breadth of things going on when you read the Psalms. And over the years, Christians have found these poems, these songs to be of great strength. I have found these psalms have been a great strength to me and have been the basis of both worship um, and prayer and even crying out to God as you grab hold of some of these verses and you turn them back to him in prayer. They're absolutely amazing. And over the next um, six, seven weeks, we are going to take just six psalms out of the 150 and open them up to you. And hopefully as we do that, it won't just provide you information about God, what he's like, or or things like that, but hopefully what it will do is help you to connect with God personally. Hopefully it will provide a little bit of a roadmap on how you can connect with God in your own walk with him. I've certainly found some of my best times with God have been when I've started it off, not by focusing on my problems, but by opening a psalm and just starting to pray it back to God. Just starting to allow my soul, my mind, to connect with the truth contained in these verses. And as I've done that, um, often I've found I've come alive in God's presence. And so hopefully as we do that over the next six or seven weeks, it will be a real benefit to you, not just for this season of time, but actually for longer. It might even affect how you connect with God in your own relationship. I've certainly found over the last 20 years, it's helped me to lift my eyes to God. Because I so often, I don't know about, it's probably just me, but humour me for a while. I so often wake up in the morning and if I'm not careful, I start with my problems, the difficulties facing me in this day or tomorrow or the next week. And I've shared with you before, haven't I? Even before I hit breakfast, I think, oh no, this is going to be a tough old day. But if I start with focusing not on the mountain in front of me, but the God who can move mountains, if I start focusing on him, it changes my day. The circumstances may be no different to how they were going to be before, but the way I'm facing them and what God has done in my life can make it a completely different day. So we're going to be looking at Psalm 27. This is an awesome, this is an awesome psalm. This This is really, really, yeah. I think hopefully you're going to enjoy the psalm as much as I've enjoyed um, preparing it. I think it's a great place to start. 
It was written by King David. He wrote um, nearly half the Psalms um, in the Bible. And he was an incredible man of God. It says in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. So that Luke, who was one of disciples of Jesus, he wrote this about David. I have found David, son of Jesse, or this is what God says about David, a man after my, my heart who will do all my will. I'll read it again. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. It says in Acts 13, verse 36, for David, after he'd served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his generation. Isn't that what you want? It's what I want. I want to know that I've served the purpose of God in this generation. I want to be a man whose heart is after God. Him and him foremost. That's what it's about. We're only here for 70 years or so. Maybe a bit longer. <laughs> Amen, Tony, eh? <laughs> but we get a unique opportunity to serve God. And what we do here on this earth now echoes through eternity. Makes a difference through eternity. So I want to make it count. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Psalm 27. Because it was written by David. He was a man after God's own heart. He served God's purposes. And I believe we can learn something about David from this psalm. But we can also learn something about how we live life from this psalm as well. So we're going to look at this psalm. I'm going to split it into three sections. Because I think it's a bit like a journey that David goes on. So the first three verses we're going to look at David's destination. The second section, we're going to look at David's map. And then lastly, we're actually going to look at the journey that David goes on um, himself. So you up for that? Good. I'm pleased you are, Bonnie. You're with me. Good. Are we up for that? Good. Excellent. I'm going to need a bit more interaction because it's warm and there's a chance I may fall asleep up here, okay? So I need a bit of noise up here just to keep me going. Let's read the psalm, then we're going to pray and we'll see what God does after that. So Psalm 27, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. This is David's destination, these three verses. So what's David's journey? Verse 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. It's all about David's journey, verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. 
You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not. O God, my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Why don't we stand? We're going to just pray together. At least I know if you're standing, you haven't fallen asleep yet. Lord, I ask you, Holy Spirit, would you please come and fill me and anoint me to preach this word right now? I ask for fresh anointing today. But I pray also for an anointing on every person here. I pray, Lord God, that you would supernaturally make our minds so active today. Would you open our hearts that we would be receptive to your word? I ask you, would it do full work in all of our lives? I pray that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for standing. So firstly, I want to look at David's destination. It's what we find in the first three verses of this psalm. You see, if you're going on a journey, you need to know where you're aiming at. You need to know where is it that you're heading. Where is it that you're trying to get to? Because if you don't know where you're trying to get to, or you're trying to go to the wrong place... You're not going to end up in the right destination for yourself. Now, David knows the right destination. He knows where he needs to go in life. He has his vision set. He has his focus set on where he is going. And I want to tell you the right destination. Not just for him, but for any one of us who knows Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. What is the destination? Where is it that we're looking to end up? Where do I place my confidence in this life? Where do I place my confidence in this life? Well, David gives us the answer in these opening verses. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Now, if you've been around in Christian circles for any length of time, what I am saying to you is not groundbreaking, it is not new. If I'd said, who is your light, you would have probably said God. If I said, who is your stronghold, you may have said God. If I said, who is your salvation, you may have said Jesus. You, we, we sort of know these things. But David really knew these things. And I just want to pause for a moment. You see, when it says that God is your light, that means he is your truth. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. That means when we're making decisions, when we're looking to line our lives up, it is his truth, it is this light that we look to line our lives up with. When I'm looking to make a decision, it's his light that I am following. It may only be a few steps ahead of me that I have light on the path of my life. I may not know what's right out over there or what is right out over here, but he is my light and he says he will provide enough light for me to take the next step. 
He will not necessarily show me enough light for the next year or the next 18 months, but he says he will give me enough light for the next step. So I don't need to make my own light. I don't need to go searching around for new different types of wisdom. I need to find out the wisdom contained in the word of God and look to apply it to my life and keep in step with him and the Holy Spirit. He is my light. He's my salvation. He's the one I trust in every single day. He's not only my salvation when I became a Christian 25 years ago and I prayed at a Christian camp with my mum and invited Jesus into, into my life. It wasn't just he was my salvation then. He's as much my salvation today. He's the one that has dealt with my sin problem. It was nailed to the cross that I might have a relationship with him. But it's not just for my salvation, not just for my sanctification, for my growing holiness, but he is my salvation every day. Whatever situations, whatever circumstances, he's my salvation. And David starts this psalm off, you'll notice, by declaring these things. God is my salvation. God is my light. God is the stronghold of my life. Now, when David wrote this, there would have been towns and villages, and in the middle of the town and village, they would have built a stronghold, a strong tower. It would have been right in the middle. It would have been made of brick and stone. It would have had one door, maybe at the bottom. It would have had a roof in it. And if you were attacked, you went and hid in the strong tower, in the refuge. You would go and hide in there. And your confidence wasn't in your fighting ability. Your confidence wasn't in the strength of your arm or the size of your army. The confidence you had was in the strength of the strong tower. If the strong tower survives, I survive. If the strong tower falls, I fall. It's like being in this building in a strong storm. And you've got the gales and you've got the wind and you've got the rain and buildings all over are being flattened and we are sheltering in here. Our confidence is in the strength of this building to stand up. Our confidence is in the strength of the steel columns not to buckle or give way in spite of the storm. Our confidence is in the cladding that surrounds us to protect us from all of the elements. And David says, God is the stronghold of my life. He is the one I shelter in. He is my hiding place. It doesn't really matter to some extent how strong David is personally because he's not hiding in himself, he's hiding in God. He's my strong tower. Where do you go when you're making decisions? Where do you hide yourself in a time of crisis? Where do you put your hope in order to make sure that life will be okay? Is it, is it when you think with your circumstances, if only this job worked out for me, life would be okay? If only my education came together as I hoped, life would be okay. You are hiding yourself in those things. It's not that we don't seek after them, but that's not where we go first. God is the stronghold of my life. And just at this moment in time, I just want to ask you, is he your stronghold? Are you hiding yourself in him? Or are you trying to find your security from other places, from relationships, from your career path, 
from if only my children worked out okay, it would be okay? Or are you hiding yourself in him? Because what you'll notice here is things were not going well for David in this psalm. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh. I don't quite know what that is, but it sounds like an 18-rated movie, doesn't it? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, though an army encamp against me, he says, I will not fear. Why? Because his hope is in God. They are natural reasons to fear. They are natural reasons to be dismayed. They are natural reasons actually to be worried. You, you should be fearful. You should be dismayed. You, you should be running around screaming with your hands in the air. But, but he says, no, my confidence, my destination is to make that a reality in my day-to-day. David, David's destination, he says, my hope is found in God alone. He knows where he's heading. He's heading in the right direction. It's God, it's God himself. But how do you get there? Well, David, in the next section, gives us a bit of a roadmap. He gives us a bit of a way in. These are, I, I, I know I say this every time I preach, but these, these, I love these verses. These are amazing. This is what David says. He says, one thing I have asked of the Lord, verse 4, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. This is the centerpiece of this psalm. He says here, one thing I have asked. My problem is it's not the only thing I pursue. David says, one thing I've asked. This is what I'm prioritizing, he says. This, this alone, this is what I'm prioritizing above everything else, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. My problem is it's not the only thing I pursue. But for David, it's his priority. And interesting, isn't it? Even though, even though people want to devour his flesh, even though an army encamps against him, he isn't praying, God, please sort this problem out for me. The first thing he's praying is, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I would seek, that I may dwell in God's house. That I may gaze on the beauty of the Lord. I don't know about you, but that's not always the first place I go when I'm facing difficulties, but it was where David went first. At times, I happily fill my life with other things that deaden my hunger for God and my desire to encounter him. At times, I happily fill my life with other things. Some of them are bad. Some of them are just all right, but at times I, I, I deaden my life with other things. I reduce my hunger for God. They're not bad, but David wants to dwell in God's house. He wants to live there. He wants to make it his home. You know, if it's his home, if it's your home, that means you spend a lot of time there. It's where you go probably on a daily basis. You know, you probably sleep there, as it were. You, you, you would come in and out. You may go to other places, but you always return to your home. You always return to the place where you dwell. That's what David's talking about here. He has this amazing habit 
of centering his life on God and encountering him and enjoying, enjoying him. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord, worship, prayer, creation, looking at the Bible, to gaze on his beauty. I don't know. Is God beautiful to you? Let me provoke you. Is he beautiful to you? If he isn't, you're not looking hard enough. In worship, to get lost in wonder, love and praise, to spend time praying and seeking his face, to spend time in worship, to spend time in the word and go, yes, wow, God, you are amazing. You know, like when you see a truth for the first time and it comes alive in your heart, not just to something up here, but something that grabs your very soul and you go, wow, oh God, I hadn't seen that before. That's how you save me. That's how much you love me. This is how you've poured your grace into my life. Holy Spirit, that you're living in something. Wow, to gaze on your beauty, God. How good you are. One of the, um, one of the uh, uh, little, a little phrase that God spoke to me at the start of the year, just a few words, one, two, three, four, five words. He is enough for me. And I've lived in and out of that for the last six months. Because actually I find when other things are shaking, you know what, I come back and he's my solid foundation. He's a stronghold of my life. He is my light. He is my salvation. He is enough for me. But the way I make that a reality in my life is as I spend time with him gazing on the beauty of God. Dwelling in the house of God, enjoying being with him. Not, Not just something as something you know you can do, but something you actually do. He says he doesn't just ask for it, he seeks it out. He realigns his priorities in order to spend time with God. He real. let me say it again. I know, I know you are all very busy people because I've never met anyone who isn't busy. I know you're all busy. But in the end with busyness, it comes down to priorities. I want to encourage you, church, through the summer, it might be a little quieter, maybe not, but it may be a little quieter. Realign your priorities to, to, to position yourself in Psalm 27. Oh, one thing, let that, let that be the cry. To be honest, this whole, you know, we're going to go for a season of hungering after God in the autumn. 40 days of hungering after him. What, what, what are we doing there? We're saying, one thing I've asked of the Lord, this is what I seek after, that I may dwell with you. I want to know you better. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians, knowing Christ surpasses everything else, I count it as rubbish that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. It's that I would know Christ, know his grace, know his love, know his power. just says at the end of verse 4 to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple that word inquire um, we were looking at it I was looking at it with the impactors on Friday this word inquire um, could also uh, uh, be meditate so it has that whole sense of uh, just spending time mulling over 
who God is, to meditate on who God is. It's to hide yourself. Another word you could use is to hide yourself in God. And it says in verse 6 of this middle section on the map, and it says, Now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. It's interesting that, that as David spends time with God, it's not that his circumstances change, it just says that his head is lifted up. He gets a different perspective. His problems get smaller as God gets bigger in his view. Sometimes God changes our circumstances. Sometimes he wants us to grow through them. My, my, what I'm experiencing at the moment, a certain set of circumstances that I'm working through, they're not really changing at one level. I, I think God is growing me through them. Where am I going? I'm going back morning by morning by morning. I'm spending time. I'm starting the day with you, Lord God. I'm focusing on you. I'm prioritizing you, not just at the start of the day, but through the day, being aware. He lifts my head over and above the problems that surround me. It's as though I have got taller. God has lifted me. My view, my perspective can change. The effect of those things, enemies, those things around is less. It is a daily battle. Sometimes it's an hourly battle. Sometimes it's a moment-by-moment thing as I prioritize connecting with him and enjoying him. And then he says, doesn't he, in verse 7, No, no, second half of verse 6. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. There is joy in difficulty. There is joy to be found in difficulty as we trust and we push and we God. There is. There is. There is. So what about David's journey? Because you know the theory of it. Okay, I get the destination. I get Paul how you're saying I'm to get there. I'm to push in. I'm to encounter God in those ways. I get it. I get all that. But, but what about the journey? Because the journey is tough at times, is it? Well, verse 7 to 14, this was David's journey. And I'm going to rattle through these very, very quickly. Because I think we can get so discouraged sometimes on the journey, we just lose hope and give up. This is David's journey. First thing I notice is David cries out to God in verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. David cries to God as a child cries out to a parent. Sometimes, I don't know, as parents, you don't really know what the child is asking for. All you know is they need something. Sometimes when you're walking on through life, you're not even quite certain what the answer is. You just know you need a God intervention. You cry out to him. You have a father in heaven who loves you. He's only too quick to hear your prayers. He pleads the grace and the mercy of God. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not trying to earn your way in. You are in. You are a recipient of the grace and the mercy of God. That is what we plead today. God, be gracious to me. God, have mercy on me. Confident, absolutely confident that he will respond because he is my Father in heaven. Next thing I see is David seeks the face of God. I mean, really interesting words here in verses 8 and 9. He says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Can you see there's a bit of, David's on a journey here. 
He, he knows that as he sees the face of God, that means he encounters the presence of God. So the presence of God is to come before God's face. That's really what it means in Hebrew. It's to come before his face. Normally I have, well no, no, not normally. For me, this is all a matter of me turning my face towards his. Your father in heaven loves you, is for you, and is predisposed to bless you because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. The problem a lot of us face at times is that our faces are not towards him, but towards other things. And we keep coming and turning back to him. Prodigal son, we know the story of the prodigal son, accepted by the father. What happened first? The prodigal son repented. He says, against you and you only have I sinned. He repents. He comes back to his father. How does he find his father when he comes back? Arms open, ready to receive, with great joy, with great gladness. Have a party. Why? Because this lost son of mine has returned to me. But it starts with repentance. David seeks the face of God. I find David declares the faithfulness of God. He says, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Verse 10. For some of you here today, that word is for you right now. Some of you have allowed a perspective of your earthly parents to shape your perspective of your heavenly father. That is understandable completely. But this psalm says here that even though your father and mother have forsaken you, your God, your heavenly father will never, will never turn his back on you. He is a perfect father. He will never turn his back on you. David declares the faithfulness of God. Oh, oh we need to lead on his faithfulness, not on our problems. Let me encourage you, do, do not start with your worries and your concerns when you come before God. Start with your praises, your worship, your adoration, with the greatness and the faithfulness of God. Let that change who you are. Let that be the starting point. David asks for guidance and wisdom. He says in verse 11, Teach me your way, O God, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. These are the words of a humble man. How often, how often are, you know, do you pray? Often I pray this so many times. I pray, oh God, would you put a level path before me that my feet would not turn over? Help me, Lord God, to make wise decisions. I don't always understand everything's going on. I just want to follow you, Lord. Please would you lead me? Please would you guide me? Give me wisdom in this situation. David asked for protection. Give me not, verse 12, give me not up for my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. What does it say in the Lord's Prayer? Lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil. Good to pray that. Ask God. And then lastly, David tells himself to be patient. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Anyone like waiting? Hey, praise God, we're not waiting to get on a ferry at Dover, hey? 14 hours. No one likes waiting. We can all have faith when God does stuff in our timing. The problem is, is God doesn't always do things in our timing, and that's when faith kicks in. 
I'm going to believe your promises. I'm going to believe what you say in spite of having to wait. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. David tells himself, get good at waiting. Let me encourage you. Let Let me ask you. Remind yourself, be good at waiting. Tell yourself, wait for the Lord. Wait for him to turn up. Wait for him to answer your prayer in whatever way he chooses. Waiting is one of the hardest things to do. Waiting takes strength and courage. As I've said already, it's often a daily decision to be strong and courageous and to not give up. Waiting for God to change circumstances. Waiting for God to give you strength in the midst of difficult circumstances. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. We find strength as we look to encounter him, to dwell in the house of the Lord to gaze upon his beauty. We, we do that when we gather together as church, week by week. We, ga- we do it when we gather together in community groups. We do it on our own. When we set aside, prioritize time with him to gaze on God's beauty. As we finish, God is our destination. He is our destination. Not what he can do for us, but who he is. The way we navigate through life is by keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, having our minds set on what the Holy Spirit desires, praying in the Spirit, enjoying God on a daily basis, moment by moment. Now, I mentioned earlier that many of us are very busy people and you might be saying well Paul it's all right for you you're a pastor I mean I think it says somewhere in the Bible you're not supposed to do anything except pray and read the Bible you know it's easy for you to say you know I've got a real life yeah it's true and that's my privilege and I'm so grateful to God that you would set me apart to be able to do that but I remember the parable of the talents do you remember it? And he said, one servant he gave five talents to, the other he gave two, and one he gave one. The important thing wasn't how many talents you had, the important thing was what you did with it. You've got talents of time. Some of you, because of the stage of life you're in, you've got five talents worth of time. You can invest that into enjoying God absolutely loads, and I want to say, go for it. For others of you, you've only got one talent at a time. You've got family life. You've got children running everywhere. You don't know if you're coming or going, but you've still got that one talent of time. I want to ask you, where are you investing it? It doesn't have to be a long time. It's about prioritizing time with him. That can be why you're shoveling food into a baby's mouth with one hand, doing packed lunches with a foot, while driving the car. But looking to invest that one talent, that one bit of time you've got to say, God, I'm yours, I'm here for you. In stolen moments with him. Where are you investing what God has given to you? Can I ask the band to come up, please? 
Why don't we stand? What I'm going to do as the band comes up is I'm going to pray out Psalm 27 verse 4. Dan, could you put that, that verse up for me? You've probably just come out of that PowerPoint, but if you can pop back into it. That's the one. Can everyone see it? Excellent. I'm just going to pray that for you. But I want you to pray it in your own heart. Father, I thank you that you have made a way that we can know you. Thank you, Jesus, you have made that way. Without you, this, this, this whole talk, this whole thing would be impossible for us. We could not know you. We could not come before you. But, but we can because of what you've done, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that in this season, over this season, our priority as a church would be to seek after you. That our priority as a church would be to dwell in your house all of our days. I pray, Lord God, that our priority, our joy, our delight would be to gaze upon your beauty and to hide ourselves in you. Lord, I ask you, please would you forgive us when we fill our lives with other things. Sometimes okay, but just not as good as you. Would you forgive us? I pray, Lord God. And I ask, would you kindle within us a fresh passion and zeal for you. To encounter you, to know you. To count you as surpassing all other things. Would you bring that about, Lord, we ask kindle a fresh passion for your name I ask in your precious name Lord Jesus Amen what we're going to do now is we're going to have um, a song um, where we can respond to the message that's heard I'm sorry if you've got children in children's work you can't really respond with the song you'll need to go and grab your children and if I could ask you to bring them back here because with the last sort of 10 minutes that we've got we'd just like to say goodbye to San and M as a church community on a Sunday morning so Ali, if you're right to lead us in that, um, chil- please go collect children um, if you need to. Um, and if your children are in the older children's group, please don't let them go run out on the field. Intercept them and bring them to be with yourself in the rows in the chairs. Thank you. <laughs>